Hi, good morning, and welcome to the ZP Vlog and Podcast. We like to do this vlog and podcast every Sunday at 8am, and it's really just a sort of wrap-up on um, ZP News um, for this week. So it's been a bit of a short um, week in terms of news, but we did put some um, material out there this week. One of them was about non-invasive glucose monitoring. So there's been a lot of effort, let's say, over the years, easily, easily for two decades now, on trying to monitor glucose through the skin, um, using um, parts of the electromagnetic spectrum. And the kind of parts, of, when I say that, I mean people have tried um, infrared spectroscopy, microwave um, parts of the spectrum, and also radio frequency parts of the spectrum. Now, at this moment, there are none of these um, products actually on the market. Um, and I think it's, you know, it, it's not because of want of trying. It's basically just because it's fundamentally quite hard Um and so, um, for example, if you look, and Apple have quite a lot of patents around um, the use of mid-wave infrared, um, spe- mid-wave infrared um, to actually monitor glucose through the skin. Obviously, at this moment, they don't have a product on the market. And again, I think it's not because of lack of trying. I think it's actually just because it is actually really hard. Um, so we did put a video out there this week about um, describing the challenges and the scientific sort of fundamental challenges um, on this. And I think it really came down to kind of um, probably at least two problems. One of them was the um, concentration of the glucose. The glucose is actually quite high in um, in blood, for example. It's at five millimolar, so relative to other molecules, that's quite high. But re- then relative to kind of the background um, interference, which is probably water, which is at 55 molar, you've got a real problem with sort of... Um, of chemical concentration. So it is quite um, challenging, let's say, to do. So we did put a video out there about um, that this week. Something that we're very focused on at the moment um, at ZP is um, our food sense. Food sense and sense it all are really the same thing. So sense it all is our really, is our way of, you know, helping people get to the market um, with a minimally viable prototype really quickly. And then we actually display the functionality of Sense It All through FoodSense, and, and we sell FoodSense as well. Now, in supporting FoodSense, um, we always say to people, look, you know, we support you through a, um, we do personalized training, which we do. Uh, we do weekly webinars and we do monthly demos. So as part of the weekly webinars, we take the questions that are come in for the week, um, which this week was like, how convert from a micromolar to SHU? Micromolar is just a kind of, uh, is a concentration term that chemists like. So when I've, when we talk about capsaicin, chemists would like to talk about micromolar. Some of them would like to talk about ppm parts per million. Um, but actually, the real industry really likes to um, talk about um, shoe Scoville heat units. So we did talk about how to um, trans or transfer between those two different units. Um, somebody else was kind of interested in. Uh, understanding whether they could use data, even when they've got very concentrated um, capsaicin, sometimes some of the signal is like say cut off, and whether that data is actually still useful to them. And the quick answer is it was, and I sort of went through the the reasons as to why on that. Something else that was kind of interesting is when you um, when you deal with heterogeneous samples, um, and I think. Um, capsaicin is, or sorry, chili powders and ginger powders are probably a very good example of that. These things are intrinsically um, um, heterogeneous. You can't expect to be sampling the powder or the products made from these powders and get like 
the same result every time because where you take the sample will end up influencing the actual um let's say pungency of of the ginger or the um scoville heat unit of the um capsaicin so we did talk about also that we also talked about outlier rejection that you can have you know, and I don't want to say it like, you know, freaky results, but you can end up having kind of freaky results. Oh, yeah, this is a terrible term, but, you know, high results. And, you know, is this real or is this actually an outlier? So we actually talked about how to do outlier rejection, which is to look at your, um, so let's say you did five measurements. You would have an average or mean for those five measurements, and you would also be able to determine the standard deviation for those five measurements. And we were able to show that... Um, if you do the average plus or minus two standard deviations and your result was outside of that average plus or minus two standard deviations, it was okay to reject that result because it's, I think it's about 95% certain that that is an outlier. Now, I was also arguing that in the pharmaceutical industry or in medical diagnostics, you may not be able to reject that because actually they would want to do average plus or minus three standard deviations, which would give them something like a 99% certainty of not um, rejecting something that was otherwise valid. But in the food industry, I think where the margins are much lower, you can't afford to have that kind of stringency. And especially, I'm, I was thinking about food quality rather than food safety. In food quality, it's okay to so I have a 95% certainty, whereas in, you know, food safety, you might want to have a 99% certainty. So we did cover that as well. And then there was the kind of, the question is, why do you have outliers? And it's, it's hard, because, but again, you've got heterogeneous samples. So where you sample, you could have hit a capsaicin hotspot or you could have hit a capsaicin low spot. Um, so we do, you know, we did cover that, let's say, in the um, weekly webinar as well. Um, we did describe that, um, the, the experience with FoodSense really is one of you get the result on your phone and most people are happy with that. But there, there are advanced users who actually want to understand their data a bit more. So we did actually talk about three classes of data, which I called Intent, Dilute and Anvil. But I do consider that kind of quite an advanced, um, let's say, conversation. Now, at ZP, um, you know, we like to basically, you know, we do get a lot of technical questions. Not all technical questions are necessarily, you know, linked to um, sales some of them are just kind of more inquisitive than anything so we did do a um, we do a, a weekly webinar um, for example um, called the ZP developer zone where we try to answer questions that have come in for the week the next one is on the 25th of January 2024 at approximately 8 a.m so it just comes down to this if, if you've got any technical questions and you want to reach out to ZP we're pretty good at, I think we always get complimented on the speed at which we actually at least respond to the initial inquiries. And if you've got any questions, I think it's the kind of case of don't hesitate to reach out to us. And if you do it quickly, you may get into the webinar on the 25th of January um, 2024 and we'll answer them there. Otherwise, if you, um, that's the news from ZP for this week and I hope everyone has a good week. Okay, thanks very much.